This is Invest Like a Honeybee, the podcast where you learn to be smart with your money and invest wisely. Before we get started, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. I'm not an investment advisor. Please make sure you discuss any changes to your portfolio with your registered advisors. I may continue to hold stocks I discuss in this podcast or not, depending on when you listen to this podcast. This is about Invest Like a Honeybee. I'm Henry J. Speck. Let's get started. It is Sunday, March 5th, 2023. So if you've read the book, you know there's three special stocks I love and that follow the rules of the honeybee um, and the beehive. That would be European Residential REIT, Goodfellows, uh, both Canadian companies, well, they're all Canadian companies, and the other one is Relic Health Technologies. So those are the three companies that I've got primarily in the portfolio. And there was one other company I had nibbled on to keep track of, and uh, unfortunately, I'm here to tell you it didn't make the cut, and I'm going to tell you why. It's not about the numbers, because the numbers still look okay, um, but it's about something else that I just couldn't get out of my head. So let me tell you a little bit of background. So the company is called Flagship Communities. MHC, I believe, is the symbol. It's, a Cana- it's listed on the Canadian Exchange, and it's a it has mobile home parks across the United States. Now, it, it sounds like a great idea because there are no pure listings of these type of companies in Canada. Plus, um, we know they're very profitable. So if you if you dive into the Killam REIT. Uh, annual reports, you'll see the contribution by their mobile home parks to profitability is huge. So, but they're not a pure player in that area. So if you're you're thinking of mobile home parks, you probably only have one that you can purchase in Canada, and that would be flagship. Now, it recently went public, so it was only public for maybe a couple years. And when you you dive deeply into it, you see it's got good value. Mobile home parks are kind of exciting because they don't have to deal with any issues of repair other than through sewage and water and to make sure the hydro comes to the point where the home is connected. Now remember the person who lives in the mobile home generally owns the mobile home but does not own the land beneath it and they rent that land from a company like Flagship. So it's a a system where there's usually four to seven of these on, a, on, a, on an acre of property. Um, and again, the infrastructure is provided, but the tenants have to pay for all the utilities, including many cases, water and sewage fees. Um, and the person who owns, or the company that owns the uh, park has to maintain the infrastructure. It's a very fragmented industry throughout North America. So most of these Uh, projects or these communities are owned uh, by individuals. There are some corporations, of course, that own more of them, but it's quite fragmented. The trend often, if it's near a um, recreational area, is to provide a swimming pool or a a park-like area, a place for picnics, a place for, uh, some even have clubhouses where people can go and meet and congregate. Uh, so it's uh, there is some infrastructure with it that the landlord is obligated to um, to provide, which of course increase costs. Now flagship went public, and before when I just as I talk about in um, what Grandpa learned from his honeybees, the book we just 
released. It's important to continue to learn and you know dive into these kind of potential investments. So I called the company because in the financials that they released, their initial uh, annual financials, there were some footnotes about um, companies that service the mobile homes that were owned by individuals who also had a position in the company. So a director or a person involved in the company may own a landscape business, for example, that does some of the landscaping for the mobile home parks. Someone may own an HVAC company, which provides heating and cooling. And another uh, issue had to do with the subsidiary that handled the sale of actual mobile homes in the community which they were getting out of, but still was a profitable sideline business or a support service business to the actual industry. So this is not uncommon. So if you had your own private company that was suddenly taken over, there were probably people working for you who may have been family, whether it be for bookkeeping or could be even landscaping or some other type of business. But once the takeover happens, then it's kind of important, I think, to get um, quotes and to get three quotes and to get um, you know a competitive system involved with any of these services now the services that I'm talking about do not provide a significant amount of profitability to the company right now maybe that's part of the reason but it's not a very profitable sideline or a very I should say um, high sales type of sideline but nevertheless it does to me send a message so when I when I called and asked and they're very nice and talking about it and yes they have divested of some of them because apparently when they initially went public there were a number of things that they uh, were doing um, individuals were doing that um, were not being done by the corp which were profitable so I was kind of a little testy and a little you know when you're gonna invest in a company you want to have full disclosure and you want to have a hundred percent of the profitability go to you the shareholders because you are in fact investing in the company just recently, they purchased a 20-some uh, acre uh, mobile home park. There were a total of, I think, 124 or so lots, 94 of which were developed and occupied. The method to pay for that was an issuance of shares. Now, it may have been from the Treasury. I didn't dig deep enough, but it just, to me, there's a couple issues with that as well in that we're issuing shares because we want to purchase something which may make that something look a lot better than it really is right now mortgage rates in the united states are in that seven percent range in residential um, i would imagine the company can negotiate better terms but let's assume they're at seven percent you need a, a significantly high cap rate above that to be viable so you would need a cap rate at least double digits or higher and the problem is when you purchase things by issuing shares it sort of confuses the actual profitability of an acquisition so I don't like that but I, I really the real reason that I am selling my shares and I'm not going to invest in this company is because the that those um, not at arm lengths businesses continue to take some profits from the company and if I'm investing in a company, I own that company, even though I may own only a few shares. And for me, um, the philosophy of not worrying too much about it because it's not it's not very much. We're just taking a little bit bothers me. So, you know, the, the stock 
did very well went from I think 15 when I purchased it to 19 US now so it's not going to be a loss or anything and uh, I will just uh, take those funds in land bank or uh, get involved in more in, uh, an environmental project I'm going to talk about in our next um, podcast so that's the stinky stock of the year hopefully now now remember the numbers the numbers may be fine um, but it's that sort of deep dive that sort of got me to thinking that this was not okay and it just doesn't fit it kept bothering me and it was probably six months ago I made the call and then I purchased a thousand shares just to follow it but I'm not sticking with this company uh, the other problem I have with the with the tiny home industry and in this case we'll call them tiny homes but they're actually mobile homes is that they are very packed in if you will so they'll be I think something up to six or seven lots per acre which after COVID I think the real the real focus is on space and people getting space and I think you know there's a great deal of talk that these can now be a starter home for people mobile homes but back in the day a starter home meant a smaller home on your own land where you actually had some space even if it was just a small backyard or a place where you could you know you could be and I don't think uh, mobile homes are going to fit that bill and there's also a suggestion they, they can be sort of the, the home you live in when you're retiring and I don't know about you but that does not seem like my kind of place to retire because I like space it's not the fact that it's a mobile home but it's a mobile home with people all around you and the other the other final piece of the industry which is a general comment is the the trend to provide more amenities or services to tenants and land and uh, mobile home owners which then leads to more costs and more liability and I really don't like that trend so that's why for me it's a stinky investment and I'm out of it you have a, an amazing day. I'm hanging for Invest Like a Honeybee. Go have a look at, at the book on Amazon or listen to it when you're driving. We really believe it will help young people and people who don't have a lot of background in, uh, in uh, financial kind of dealings with, with their own environmental and financial literacy. So for young adults, um, we really think it's important for you to take control of your own financial future. Again, I'm Hank for Invest Like a Honeybee. Talk to you again next Monday. Remember to pick up my latest book, What Grandpa Learned from His Honeybees, the little book to be smart with your money and help the environment on Amazon or Audible. Pick it up today.